Hi everyone, once again, welcome to church. Today we're going to be continuing our study through Finding Joy, and really it's a book study on the book of Philippians. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Today we're going to be talking about finding joy through ministry. And so there's a lot to get to, there's a lot to cover, and there's a lot of preconceived ideas that some people have. So let's dive right into the book of Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 19. Paul says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me within the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he... <clears throat> For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him in the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and, <clears throat> and hold all, such men in esteem." Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we have this short amount of time to get together, even online, and study your word. Lord, that we can experience you from afar. It is amazing that we get to have your word, that we have the opportunity of studying your word, learning about you, growing closer to you. And today, Lord, as we talk about finding joy through ministry and ministering to your people. I pray that your presence would be with us, that we would experience more knowledge, more wisdom, but also more importantly, heart change. And Lord, that we would desire to be more like Christ in everything that we do. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. So when we talk about ministry, it's easy to think about the word ministry and and dismiss it as something that professional uh, clergy does. Um, only, only people who get paid to do it do ministry. In scripture, though, we see that it's a task that all of us who claim to be children of the Lord Jesus Christ and part of the family of God, all of us are called to minister to one another. And through that ministry, we find joy. We find joy in getting to serve others and getting to work alongside of others and minister to the needs of others. But before we get into all of that, we want to take a look really quickly at the context in which Paul is writing this letter because we have two men here that Paul mentions as people that he's going to send to Philippi, that he is loved, that are sick, you know, and there's, so there's a the little bit of historical context that we actually want to address that will help us better understand what it means to minister in the long run. And so first of all, we're going to talk about Timothy. And to say that Timothy and Paul were close would be quite an understatement. Um, Timothy was like a son to Paul. Uh, he was definitely a brother in the Lord. He was definitely someone who Paul 
who meant a lot to Paul. And we see the first meeting of Paul and Timothy in Acts chapter 16. And so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. And just starting in verse 1, it says here, Then he came to Derby, he meaning Paul, came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Uh, Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, uh, chapter 16 of Acts goes on very importantly, specifically in the context of the book of Philippians, to talk about how Paul and Timothy helped start the church, really started the church, at Philippi. And so Timothy is actually very intimately acquainted with the people of Philippi, uh, at the church of Philippi. Um, he also went there before Paul's second ministry, uh, sorry, missionary trip, and his second trip through Philippi uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We kind of read about that where Paul sends Timothy on ahead um, to go minister to people ahead of Paul as Paul comes to see them. And as mentioned before, Paul was very close to the church in Philippi. He was very intimately acquainted. And, and I think part of that has to do with his, um, just the timing of when the church in Philippi came about. This was one of the first major churches that Paul started. Uh, and it was definitely, you know, one of the first in his missionary journeys as he went along. And so they had a special place in his heart. He loved them with a deep, deep love. And we even see that in the book of Philippians here, where he cares about them and he he only wants to send the best people to them because of that care. He had this partnership with Timothy, and Timothy was there with him that, as we read, was really rival to none other. Paul and Timothy had a relationship with the church in Philippi that no one else would have had. And so Paul sends Timothy to Philippi so that, so that they may be encouraged to continue on in the faith, and so that Paul can be encouraged to continue on in, in pressing forward in his calling as well. And he wants to know what is going on. Paul wants to know, how are you guys doing it? This, this is a health check for them. And so he's sending Timothy on because he trusts Timothy. He knows that Timothy will not lie to him about the situation in Philippi. He also knows that Phil Timothy will be able to go into the Philippian church and he'll be able to correct certain wrongs. He will be able to minister to certain needs that others may just not know because they, they don't have that close relationship. And so he sends Timothy off to be an encouragement and also to be reassured that things are going well within the church at Philippi that Paul cares so much about. Timothy was the person that Paul trusted the most. And we see this in verses 20 through 22 of Philippians chapter 2. It says this, For I have no one like-minded, speaking of Timothy, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. There is this idea that Paul here 
was actually, this is, this is one place in the book of Philippians, and we see kind of the whole purpose of the book of Philippians in these few verses that we're studying today. But this is one place in the book of Philippians where Paul shows us a little bit of his doubt in this time where he's saying, I feel very alone. It's almost like Elijah when, when Elijah had had the, the contest with the prophets of Baal. And, and afterwards, it's this great victory where, where God showed himself in miraculous ways and, and the prophets of Baal were, were killed and, and it looked like things were going to be better. And Elijah got very extremely depressed because he thought that his life was at that point forfeit. And he kind of went off and said, Lord, I'm alone. I'm by myself. And God had to encourage him. And so we actually see Paul in this moment kind of lament a little bit being alone and be saying, you know, people are not standing with me, but Timothy was. And so he was feeling this loneliness and he was reaching out to Timothy and he was reaching out to the others to, to encourage them. And through their encouragement, Paul would get joy as well. And so there's dual purposes. God has built into us as a human people a desire to love and be loved. And before you start calling me hippie, there is this idea of we desire to fill practical needs for others because we know that we have practical needs that, that need to be filled as well. Now we're going to talk about some of the giftings that God gives us in, in which we can minister to others, but there is a desire for us to, to reach and to help those who are closest to us. And specifically, it's easy to think about family when we talk about this. And, and oftentimes in our context, we talk about blood relationship, you know, our mothers, our fathers, our, our brothers, our sisters, whatever it may be. And we would do anything for them or we would, we would go great distances to help them. And what Paul is saying here is that Timothy is that person that is going to come to them and minister to them as a son would as it, to a father or as a, as a father would to a son. And he's going to help and encourage and that will cause Paul great joy. He wanted to know that his family in Philippi was going to be okay. And so he sent the one that was closest to him and his heart, but also the one that was closest to them and their heart. Because again, they would, would have been f familiar with Timothy as well. And so he wanted to send somebody who was familiar to them as well, that would be able to encourage them even more than just another brother or sister in the Lord. He also mentions here in, in verse 25, we talk about, uh, or he starts talking about Epaphroditus. Now, we know from chapter 4 of Philippians that Epaphroditus, and we, we see it here as well, that Epaphroditus was sent by the church of Philippi to minister to Paul's needs, specifically to give him a financial gift, and then to come alongside of him and serve him in whatever capacity he needed, whether, whether that was somebody to, um, you know, like an intern, <laughs> like get his coffee and, and check his mail, not that that's what was happening, but something like that. Um, but it also would have been somebody who was the church wanted to go learn from Paul, to be discipled by Paul. So the church would have sent him to 
serve with Paul so that he could come back and serve them kind of the similar way that Paul would be. There's this discipleship built into Epaphroditus and the way that the church was operating. We're going to give you Epaphroditus. He's going to come and bring you a gift and he's going to minister to your needs. But through that ministering to your needs, he's going to learn and then come back and help us as well grow in the Lord. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And so we have this guy that shows up and he, he ministers to Paul in this way. And we, we see that he was able to help Paul and to really give him company while he was imprisoned. He was able to be there with him and help him. And Paul encourages others to do this for each other as, as well. If you look in, let's turn to Colossians. If you turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, we'll read it here. It says this, Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and to be thankful. Let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, God the Father through him." These few verses give us a great example and really multiple examples on how we should minister to each other. If you specifically look at verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in the psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is really the church. This is what we do on, say, a Sunday morning or whenever you're watching this or these things. We, we worship together. We come together and we admonish one another. That means we exhort one another and we rebuke one another and we, we work together to become better for Jesus Christ. And this is what ministry means. And, and so Paul is saying here, we, we do this in meekness, humility. We do it before the Lord together. It is not a we are not to do this on our own. It's, we're not made to do this on our own. Now, there are times, there are seasons that we go through things and we have to go through it alone. But that does not mean that we cannot partake of the, the studying of God's word, the exhortation of God's word, the singing of, of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as it talks about. We can be sure that these were things that Paul and his partners practiced regularly and that is what leads us to ask the question, what is expected of us? What, what, are, what are we to do? Now, again, this is not going to be a, a sermon that surrounds on, you know, making sure you're coming to church or, or whatever. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking on camera right now, but we want to we encourage you to continue walking forward in the Lord. This is a, this is a, a channel through which we are able to do that. But we are to gather together and we're to sing songs, we're to study the word, we're to, we're to rejoice with each other. And we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. And this is how we minister to each other. And, and this is the key, which brings us to our second point. We all are to minister. 
We all are to be ministers. Now, we, some of us are paid to do it, others are not. But we all, if we claim to be children of God, then we are to be ministers to one another. One thing to note in this passage is that we are to minister to each other regardless of that title or position, regardless of what somebody calls you. Because ultimately, we are all just believers in Jesus, members of the way, Christians, whatever it may, whatever you may want to call it. Now, 1 Corinthians, uh, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll, we will discuss this really quickly, this idea of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this in uh, verse, let's start at verse, sorry, I lost my spot. Verse 12, uh, sorry, verse 29 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29. It says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Paul here is talking about this, this, this design, and, and if you read the entirety of chapter 12, you see this idea of the design of the body of Christ and how we are to all interact with each other and not try and be something else and not try and be one part of the body, but but we are to be what God has made us to be. We are to utilize the gifts that God has given us to utilize. This whole chapter discusses that. And it is difficult for every single person to find their gifting and to, to practice and cultivate that gift so that we can minister well to one another. But not every, everybody is a pastor. Not everybody is a teacher. Not everybody is an apostle or a healer or, you know, all of those things that he, he references here. But we all are parts of the body that work together to admonish and exhort one another towards holy living. Again, I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. What an amazing passage when we talk about the gifts that God has given us and how we are to interact with those gifts. I love what he says first off. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers which assumes, A, that we are praying, that we are seeking the Lord, and, and B, it shows that we are to be serious in our prayers. We are to be passionate, not just passionate, but, but desiring holy living. First, we see in this passage that our love for each other is able to cover that, that idea of multitude of sins. Love, covers, love will cover a multitude of sins. And this is because we are able to see clearly that we are all covered by the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When I understand that my sin 
was sending me to hell and that I deserved hell and judgment and, and eternal damnation, when I understand that more clearly, it makes it much easier to love you and to, through that love, cover those sins. And, and, and so we have this idea of we are to love one another. Secondly, in this passage, we read that we are all given gifts that we are to use to minister to one another. And an important part of this is that there, there's no option in this language. It is not use it if you can or minister to one another as long as it fits your time frame. No, this is you are to minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, we have been given these gifts and God expects us to use them for his glory. We are to minister to one another with the gifts that we have been given. And note that we see again from a different author, being Peter here, that, that we are to serve one another without grumbling or complaining. We oftentimes will reluctantly serve someone else. We will reluctantly do something. Well, the church needs volunteers, so I guess I better do it because if I don't, then I'll feel guilty or, or you know, the pastor will get on my case or whatever it may be. And we, we drag our feet. We drag our feet. We are not to do that. We are to not do it with grumbling. We are not to complain about it. And then lastly, in this passage, we see that we are able to minister with the ability that God supplies and not, not under our own power. You see, if I try and minister to people under my own power, my capacity for ministry shrinks <laughs> uh, almost to nothing. But if I allow God and his gifts that he has given me, if I allow those things to be the thing that drives me, if I allow the gifts that he has given me to take over and to minister through the power, through his power, for his glory, well, then, then it's an endless supply because as we talked about last time, it's, it's not Christ, it, sorry, it's not Andrew who lives anymore. It's Christ who lives in Andrew and Christ is the source of all power. He's the source of all ministering. He's the source of all gifts. And so it, he is an endless supply and, and his resources will never end. And so I can tap into that to, to minister to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we really are to do that. There is no real wiggle room here. It's not a try your best to minister to one another. No, we are to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then it's important to jump down if anyone ministers, let him to do it with, uh, do it as with the ability with with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We do this. We do all things so that God will be glorified, and not that we will be exalted. Not that I will get brownie points in heaven. It's not about that. It is about the fact that Jesus Christ and God will be glorified through my life. One way or another, they will be glorified. Even in judgment, on judgment day, when sinners are turned away from the entrance into eternal life and Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you, that will be a glorifying moment because his justice 
will have been dealt out in a way that we all will rise up and worship him for being a just and true God and holy, a dead giveaway. There are people that will ask sometimes, how do I tell if somebody's being genuine? How do I tell if, if, it's, if it's a genuine faith or not? Or how do I tell if it's, if it's a genuine person trying to minister to me? Well, there's a couple of different giveaways, but I'll tell you one that is a dead ringer. If this person, if a person, if a pastor, if a, if a friend, if a, an acquaintance, if, if a stranger comes to you and tries to minister to you and then takes the glory for themselves and, and desires to, to use their gifts as a platform to gain fame, notoriety, money, whatever it may be, that is a dead giveaway that that person is not utilizing the gifts that God has given them for God's glory. It means they are utilizing it for their own glory. And sometimes it's easy to point to the false prophets. Sometimes it's really easy to look at some of the televangelists and some of the people that, that just say ridiculous things sometimes. How often do we look at our own heart? I need to be careful that I watch my own intentions. You see, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. That is what my heart gives, is, is wickedness. And so that is why I must die to myself and let Christ live in me, is so that I am not utilizing the gifts that he has given me for selfish ambition, for selfish purposes. And so we need to be careful that we do all things for the glory of God and not the glory of self or the glory of our church community or the glory of our town or the glory of our leaders or anything like that. We do the, everything we do should be to the glory of Jesus Christ who deserves it forever and ever. Let's move on. We want to look at one last thing that will wrap up the idea of the joy that we find in ministry. I don't know about everyone that I'm speaking to right now uh, because I can't see you. I don't know who you are, but I can speak to my own heart and I can say that taking the time and the energy and the effort that, that it takes to give wisdom and guidance and counsel can be daunting parts of trying to minister to others. Sometimes we can look at these things and think, well, I'm not trained enough. I haven't gone to school for that. Other people can do it better. He's paid to do it, so why don't you go to him? Or she has a degree in that, so why don't you talk to her about that? We oftentimes will go down on ourselves because we, we convince ourselves that we're not trained enough to help other people in their needs. That we have not gone through enough um, garbage to be able to minister to someone who has had a rough life. And we fade into the background and we let the, the professionals help. We let the professionals run things. And this is what happens is as we fade into the background, we get comfortable because, well, not a lot is expected of me. Not, there's, I, I don't have a lot of expectation on my life. I'm not doing much. I help out where I can, but it's irregular and, and spotty at best. And so we, we allow ourselves to desensitize ourselves to the needs around us because, well, there's pastors to take care of that. 
or there's deacons to take care of that. And, and it is true, pastors and deacons and leaders of the church, we absolutely desire to minister to others. We desire to um, promote Jesus Christ and to, to promote holy living. And we try, and this is part of what we do, is we, we teach the word of God so that you can be edified. That is, I'm not trying to schlep that off on anybody else. What I am saying, though, is that there aren't enough pastors in the world to minister to all of the needs of the people of the body of Christ. Take just Pathway Community Church, if you will. We are a mid-sized congregation, middle, upper middle to large-ish congregation. Pastor Rob and myself, we can't minister to every single person as much as they need ministered to. And so that is where we, we need people to step up and to answer the call that God has given them on their lives and to utilize the gifts that God has given them to minister to others. We do not want to fade into the background. We've, we've already seen how this way of thinking is flawed because God has called all of us to serve others. And if you want some more scripture references, here's a list of them. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 Romans 12, verse 10, Hebrews 10, verse 24, 1 John 4, verse 7, and even Jesus says in John 13, verse 14, he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. It's the idea of service to one another. We serve one another. And Jesus, he always gives us the examples that we should live by because he is our perfect example. But we cannot allow ourselves to fade into the idea that, well, the professionals will take care of this. Because the professionals can definitely help. And in certain situations, it is important to have a professional alongside. But we have each been given a gift. Turn to Romans chapter 12, if you would. Romans chapter 12 is an amazing chapter anyway, but Paul says this in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. He goes on to talk about living peaceably, not repaying evil with evil. These are things that we are to do and we are to minister to one another in these ways. We will find joy in living life together with others and we will have times of suffering that require us to weep with those who are weeping. We will require, there will be times when we do not desire to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I would say that that's actually harder than weeping with those who are weeping because when, when, something, when someone is going through something hard, it's it's very easy to sympathize, even empathize with them and cry with them and weep with them over loss or suffering. But when somebody gets a new car or a promotion or more money or wins the lottery or whatever it may be, that's a little bit harder because we start saying, well, why didn't it happen to me? Or I'm jealous of you or whatever it may be. But we are called to minister to one another regardless of our feelings. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't train yourself. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't cultivate the gifts. But the only way that you will cultivate the gifts is by practicing the gifts. And so we must come together and practice and cultivate the gifts as a, 
as a community of believers, as a, as a dare I say, body of believers. We must come together. What, what, what we can be confident in is that it pleases God to see his people ministering to one another, his children coming to one another and helping each other, using their gifts that he has given them in order to encourage each other in the Lord. And look, there are a lot of different ways that we can encourage one another in the Lord. There's a lot of different ways to minister. When we submit to the Lord and step outside of our comfort zone and talk with people, or we just press into the comfort zone that we already have and talk with people, live within it, we bring glory to God. And when we glorify God, as we've talked about through this entire study of Philippians so far up to this point, when we glorify God, we experience the joy that he can give. And this joy is better than anything any artificial thing that the world can offer. It is anything that I can manufacture in myself. It's better than anything that I can manufacture myself. The joy that God gives us as we glorify him supersedes any other joy that we may find in this world. And so my desire is to minister to others, to please my Lord and Savior, as well as having a side benefit of getting to minister to the people who I love, or at least the people I say I love, I get to experience that joy with them and I get to experience the heavenly joy, the eternal joy of pleasing my Father. To conclude this, I want to say this, there may come a day that we're not, not able to do church. There may come a day when we have to shut churches down. There may be a day when being called a pastor gets you thrown in jail. I know that it seems like it's a far, far-fetched idea right now, but it really is not. And so there may come a day when the professionals are no longer here with us. How are you ministering to the body right now? How are you ministering to the brothers and sisters and using the gifts that God has given you right now? Because if you aren't doing it now, it is unlikely that you're going to do it then. It is unlikely that you'll do it when persecution actually ramps up. Do your children seeing, see you minister to others? Do they experience what it's like for their parents to reach out and disciple not only others, but them? Do your friends, if you're not married and don't have kids, do your friends, do they see you ministering to those who are hurting, those who are rejoicing, those who need the gifts that God has given you? Are your friends viewing that? Are they seeing you work for Jesus in this way? Do your friends see you glorify the Lord above all things? Do not rely on professional clergy to do all of the ministry within the church because they do not, they will not always be there to do it. I love the job that I have and I hope I never have to give it up. But there may come a day when I have to. There may come a day when it's, when it's, when I'm just taken out, <laughs> whether it's jail or death, whatever it may be. And in that day, the church will thrive on people ministering to one another ministering the way that God has told us to minister. More importantly than just that, don't just let them do it because you will miss out 
on a key aspect of God giving you joy in your life. If you rely on professionals to do everything, then you will miss out on this joy. If you rely on your pastors to take care of all the needs in your church, then you will have burnt out pastors that don't experience a whole lot of joy, and you will miss out on joy yourself. Don't let yourself do that. Don't miss out on the joy that God desires to give to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are, that you are God. And Lord, that you have given us these gifts, these, these gifts that, Lord, they're defined in different ways, they, they are manifested in different ways, and they make us a strange-looking body sometimes, Lord. But we thank you that you have given us those gifts, that we can worship you and glorify you through utilizing those gifts among one another. Lord, I pray that we would be spurred on to minister to those around us. Lord, that we would reach out and, and serve as you served, that we would minister as you minister, and that we would take great joy in knowing that our Father in heaven is pleased and that our brothers and sisters in Christ and those outside of the body of Christ are blessed. We love you, Lord, and we just ask that you would continue to show us how to live more for you. In your name we pray. Amen.